Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Breen, and today I will be joined by John Pellant, co-founder of the Minneapolis indie band Night Moves, uh, to talk about his most recent album, Can You Really Find Me?, as well as his musical inspirations and what it's like to tour in a post-pandemic world. The Pop Culture Nerd can be found on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And if you like the episode or have a question, please email us at popculturenerd2 at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy. John Pellant and Mickey Alfano became friends in high school growing up in Minneapolis and have been playing together for over a decade now with their band, Night Moves. Named after the Bob Seger song, Night Moves combines 70s Midwestern folk with modern poppy psychedelia to create a sound I believe is unmatched in any other contemporary band. John was nice enough to join me today to discuss the two-year anniversary of his third album, Can You Really Find Me?, which he sees as the band's most sophisticated record to date. How are you, John? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. So we are just about to celebrate the second anniversary of Can You Really Find Me? Did you always intend for that record to be a summer release? You're totally left to the whim of the label when it comes to like what it's going to be when it when it's going to be released and so as far as like oh what the record is i mean it took me like three years to write it so so it was it wasn't ever going to be like this is going to come out at summer and it's going to be this like really fun beach thing that people listen to you know there's that's never the case you kind of make it for all seasons because you're writing it you know over like a three-year period so i mean it's the dead of winter pretty much is like when a lot of this shit was written so yeah when it's like really cold and as you can see i've got like curtains up and stuff so kind of block out the sun where it's kind of like timeless in here try and not see the sun and stuff sometimes that would always like inhibit me when it was when it was summer i was like oh well i don't want to be in here you know if it's so nice out but um sometimes you got to get shit done you know Definitely. And kind of more broadly, I guess, um, one thing I always kind of wonder when I'm talking to musicians is when you go into an album or a project, is there like a set theme in mind before you start writing for you? Or does that kind of theme develop over the course of writing songs and, and melodies and over the years? Yeah, it develops. You know, you know, I feel like I never know what I'm working with until at the very end. You know, it's never it's never like a, a rock opera or anything. There's so I, I don't even know what it is until at the very end of it, when you're looking at the thing and you're like, oh, wow, I have this collection of songs from the past three years. But just in your head, like, can you set an internal deadline for yourself and say, um, oh. you know, I'm going to write the song Strands Align today, or does it have to become a natural process? <laughs> sometimes you can. Yeah, sometimes you can do that where you go like, OK, I, I need to get this thing done by X, Y, Z date. But it, for me, it's really fucking hard. I'm always messing with something and changing it. I, it's happened maybe once or twice where I was like, I'm going to sit down and write something today. But it's rare. You know, it kind of just has to come. And it's so maddening when you try to make something happen and you're just banging your head against the wall. That's a really unpleasant experience. Yeah, in those few times where you did do that, did it, did it turn out well? Or did you just have to 
kind of scrapped the days. Work. I mean, I think it, I know it did. And the first record, there was something like there. I, I know it has worked out in my favor, but rarely does it. I feel like on this record, I think Angelina came really quick. came out really quick and I feel like it turned out really well so that was nice but most of them it was like just laboring over it for like years you know just like tweaking it so would you say you're always writing uh you always coming up with new lyrics or jotting down new rhythms to a song new chord progressions no you know so like well though there there will be those droughts where you just like have nothing you just have to kind of like sit back you know right. you, you just have to let it come i don't know like uh, we just finished recording uh like f- six songs and after we finished that it was kind of i hadn't written anything in a really long time but just this week i actually came up with something so it had been like a couple months you just get in these like weird bouts where you're focusing on your energy on other things, you know? So, well, I guess kind of stepping back from uh, the music writing side of it, do you mind just taking me through kind of the early days of, of night moves? And uh, I know that you met Mickey in, in high school, but, but how did the band sort of develop as a whole? Uh, yeah. Um, we all had bands in high school, you know, we went to the same high school. Uh, and so we knew each other. He was a couple grades older than me. We, I don't think we ever played together, but you know, we knew we would hang out sometimes. We had driver's ed together. And I remember, I feel like we bonded over that. And he gave me like all things must pass on like a burn CD. And I thought that was really cool. He gave me some Elliot Smith too. And I remember it was, it just seemed like we always kind of had similar tastes in music or as we graduated high school, everyone's like band kind of disbanded and everyone, people went away to college and things kind of fell by the wayside. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, I don't really want to keep doing music. You know, I want to focus on my schooling and studies and all that shit. And I think we were some of the only people who wanted to keep it going. I went away to Milwaukee. I went to UW-Milwaukee for a couple of years. And I, that's when I like came up with the Night Moves stuff. Like this new sound that I wanted to do that ended up becoming Night Moves. And... There was a guy in the band at the time who was living with Mickey and he was like, oh, well, Mickey plays bass and we don't, none of us play bass. So why don't we just like have him record some bass on the record that we're working on? And then it just kind of was like, yeah, he's perfect, you know? (laughs) And and here we are, you know, 10 years later, 14, I don't even know. What was that in high school, 15? Well, what were kind of the next steps then after you kind of initiated, okay, this is what the band is, is going to be? Yeah, well, I mean, it was strange because we worked so hard on our first record, Colored Emotions. And that was another thing where it took like two years to write, you know, maybe like two and a half years to make. And so we, we just really wanted it to be a record that would stand the test of time because I feel like all of our high school records were just like dog shit after a while, you know, and you'd get it. Well, I would be like, why did we do that? You know, 
I, I wasn't able to edit at the time, like self-edit. It was just, I wasn't capable of it. So I would always get embarrassed by the thing I put out. And I was like, no more of that. You know, we need, so, we need something that we can stand behind. And I think that also just happens when you get older. But so we put a lot of energy into making that record good. And well, we, I had just graduated college. And so we didn't really know what we could do with it. And so it was like, well, maybe we could try and get signed and put, I think the goal was to have vinyl. We really wanted a vinyl album, you know, which is still a really cool thing to have, you know, when you can just hold it. And, and so at that time, it was like, we need a label. Talking, uh, us talking about like having a manager, cause we were kind of like, we fucking hate doing all the business stuff and booking shows and dealing with like, I don't know, paperwork and money. And we were like, it'd be really cool if we could find someone to do that for us when we were like 22, you know? And we were like, how do you even find a manager? And there happened to be this guy in town who got a band signed to Jag Jaguar or Dead Oceans, that whole camp of folks. And we were like, oh shit, he knows people. Maybe he can like get us a deal. And I think Mickey was working at a restaurant and this dude came in and he, he was, we started getting plays on like local radio, college radio with Colored Emotions. It was like yeah. a self-release you, thing. I was going to say, you put out Colored Emotions, right? We, we finished the record and we just like master it. And then we just started handing out like burn CDs or selling them for like pay what you want at shows. We start playing around town. And then it was kind of like, well, I, we kind of want to put it out on a label that will make vinyl. And so essentially this guy takes note of us and he likes us and he's like, um, you know, I think I could like, what are your goals? You know, we had like a business meeting with this guy who, who wanted, he was like, if you want to take this further and have it become, um, I guess more pro, you could say, you know, you, we can do that, but I need to know you guys are serious. And we're like, yeah, we're serious. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sign us up, you know, like how serious you gotta be. Fuck. Let's just do it. And so he ends up getting it to someone at Domino Records and, and, and this guy ends up coming out to see us at a show here at a festival called Square Lake Festival. And it's just like a little family friendly kind of like thing people bike to and it's, it's up in Stillwater, which is like an hour north of the Twin Cities. And so um, this guy comes out and he likes us enough and Months go by and we're like, oh shit, is it gonna work out? And he ends up asking us to come to New York to play for the head of the label. And so it was kind of like tryouts, you know, like wow. label tryouts. Wow. And then finally, I guess they liked us enough that now we're like putting out records. Like they've put out all our albums. So they re-released Colored Emotions. And, um, you know. I remember reading that the record label re-released colored emotions and i'm kind of wondering were you guys on board with that and were you uh looking to re-release it or is it almost like no this is our finished product um we're gonna leave it be okay yeah i mean that's a this is a big thing here <laughs> um part of us we're like this is the thing that we lab labored over and it's perfect you know and then part of us was like, 
well, mostly me, who was always tinkering with shit, was like, okay, we can make it better, though. It could be better. It could be even better, you know? I was excited to try and attempt to make it better, you know? Because I feel like I, I'm, that's just part of me. I'm always trying to, like, make it better or whatnot. But um, part of us was like, no, fuck you, man. This was the vision. But at that point, the record's already out there. You can hear other emotions and its original form if you want to probably on youtube or something um i don't know it exists it's out there so we weren't worried that people wouldn't be able to hear that version you know so you mentioned that you've been writing a couple new singles uh and recording some new music for night moves uh did that come about over the pandemic and have you had time to get back with the band uh during quarantine yeah, I'm. Uh, well, we just actually finished recording, like I said, like an EP. So, I mean, we got done like four originals and then we did two covers. But aside from that, I, there, I think there was four, maybe four other pieces. So, yeah, it was it was pretty fruitful. Yeah. And was that kind of in the works beforehand or, or was that like, OK, we need to do something during this time where a lot of us are home? No, no. I mean, going back to just like, are you always kind of writing? I mean, if you have the time and you're in the headspace to do it, it'll just happen. So I was just here by myself writing stuff as I normally would be. And then I, I think like towards the end of the summer, it was like, all right, let's start practicing again. So I didn't see those dudes for a long time. Then we started working on it as a band and then it kind of like through the winter, we uh, perfected the jams that I had written in quarantine or whatever. And, and you mentioned that there's some covers on this EP. So, I mean, at what point do you decide that you want to cover a song? And, that, and can that be like a really daunting task? I'm sure it is. Yeah, to be honest, I'm, I don't, it's not really my thing. I don't really care about it. <laughs> but uh, we, we were asked to have some covers. So we came up with some covers. Oh, okay. Well, at that point when you're asked, do you think then you're almost purposely picking something that's kind of out of nowhere or doesn't line up with the genre of Night Moves music? Covers? Right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know I, I mean? think you, you, you can go about it a variety of ways. I mean, sometimes you can go left of field. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you can do something in your wheelhouse. I feel like there's one in our wheelhouse and then we kind of changed it. So it's not just so the exact same style as the song. And then the other one is kind of, I guess, yeah, maybe more on the nose where it is kind of this style of the song, but it's not our genre. So it kind of just sounds like us in a different genre, which is kind of fun. So I don't think it, you don't want to give it too much thought, you know, it's not your song. So it, you sh shouldn't probably sweat too much about it. When you're when you like finish writing an album and obviously put a lot of uh you know blood sweat and tears into it so let's say right after penny days at what point are you like ready to start focusing on the new on a new album are you do you need like a break or or are you really just like dead yeah. after writing yeah you need a break or i need a break i'll just say that it's kind of it kind of feels like you put so much energy into this one thing that you need to yeah you just need to take a sec and just step back and think about like what you want to do 
because you don't want to just do the same record over again, you know? And so it's got to be, it's got to be different, but it can't be too different that it's like alienating unless that's what you want to do. So you just got to, yeah, you just take a sec to refresh. Right. And do you end up dissecting like your previous uh, music or does it kind of, it's there, it's done, and I'm kind of moving on to the next, like, how, how do you go about that when you're kind of getting ready to do, <laughs> to do your next record? I guess and it, it can, always it changes. Can, yeah, it can be a major head game, you know, thinking about, because I feel like m most of the time, I mean, it comes out the way you wanted it to, but also there's always things that you think didn't turn out so good, you know? Kind of, I guess, just more specifically, looking back on maybe uh, Can You Really Find Me or, or even of your other records, um, is there anything specifically that you listen back to now and you say like, okay, I wish I had done this thing or maybe edited it differently here, added something. And then kind of the reverse of that, is there something that you look back on and you're like, that was a really good change or I'm happy I didn't do something there? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot. For the most part, Can You Find Me, I think sounds really solid. I think the drums sound really good. Um, and that's because Jim Eno, who is the producer, engineer, he's a drummer. He's the drummer in Spoon. Spoon so yeah. there was a lot of talk about drum tones, you know, and marrying the uh, drum machine. We use a lot of drum machine on our stuff with live drums and getting that synthesis right. So I was really happy about that. But something, <laughs> something about um, Penny Days was like, I hated the drums on that record. What just specifically what about like too overpowering at times or like what what's what's your thoughts on it? Well, okay, so I haven't listened to it in a while, so maybe there it's okay, but I remember when we finished a big thing was the snare tone. And that's like when you're listening to a record, you know you hear like vocals and snare are like the loudest thing. And I was the, I was a bit younger back then, so I, I, we, me and John and Yellow, who was the engineer on that record, we argued a lot about like snare tone, and we spent months doing like stem mixes and trying to fix the snare, <laughs> and it, it probably it didn't even change that much, you know, to like your ears or or the listener, they probably won't even hear the difference, and it probably it's like you hear the song, you know, you don't hear the snare tone. <laughs> One of the big problems with us is like I I demo everything out pretty heavily ourselves you know like here in my little studio I got here and I get that as good as I can get it and I think it sounds incredible you know and I take it to the guys and we go like oh da, da, da. so we have this process where the song is fully fleshed out before we go into the studio with like a guy who 
can turn all the knobs a little bit better than we can. And they, and so something kind of gets a little fucked when you take something that's already been completed to such a fine point and then you redo it and through someone else's ears and their lens, you can kind you, you would hope it would be better, but some things kind of just get left out. You know, when you, when you work with a producer and you go back to your demo and you go, Oh, the demo was better or something, or this aspect was better in the demo. And that, that's, it's a bit troublesome. So you have to really kind of be on the ball when you're in the studio redoing it to make sure that you don't, leave anything out that's important because you can kind of get seduced by the studio where you're like oh it's so incredible you know when you hear it through like big speakers and you're just trying to be in the moment so that's a whole nother head game too is the recording re you know oh doing it i love doing it myself but then when you go into redo it in a professional environment it can kind of get a little screwy yeah, and, and would you ever put out demos or, or have you put out anything? I would love to, you know. <laughs> We've always talked about that, being like, oh, you, tons of artists just put out like the demos, you know. Demos are they like definitely sound my different. favorite my favorite thing to, to listen to of an artist is when they put out demos. When I hear someone's putting it out, I immediately check them out. Because I'm, I'm very fascinated by what you were just talking about, about going into a studio after already having completed something seems like, a very tedious process of being able to redo something that you think is, is like perfect or close to perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like take me through how you navigate that and how you also, I mean, obviously I'm sure that leads to some squabbles with like producers and things. Um, you know, just how, how do you navigate that line? Um, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's crazy. I don't know. I some I've started to like make my demos sound less good because I know that if you if you spend too much time and you get too in your head over in laboring on them, you're you're probably gonna get disappointed. Is kind of what I've learned. So you kind of have to leave uh, some room, some wiggle room for improvement. You know. Yeah. I think that's an important thing is to not not labor too hard in the demo, you know, just get the song, get the structure, get the important tones down. And then, but also don't, yeah, leave some stuff sounding poorly so you can improve upon them. Cause that was the, that was the issue with Penny Days was I, I got too wrapped up in my demos and how they sounded. And when that came out, I wasn't, I wasn't pleased. So. Do you, um, like let's say when you when you finish your demos and you're going into the studio and, and they're advocating for a change in an area, are you able to like, I mean, I'm sure you are, able to just very much advocate for yourself and be like, no, this is what we went for here. I like it <laughs> and we're not changing it. Or is there like pressure almost even from, from either the label or from the producer? Yeah, I mean, okay, so <laughs> over time, that, that was mostly the issue with Penny Days. And can, can you really find me? That wasn't really really the case because what we would do is we'd fly all the demos stems in and we'd go like, all right, let's see if we can beat it. And then we would AB things. And then I think we just had an honest conversation of like, is this better? Is it not? And so that was a really good way to do it. And that's why I think I liked the way that record turned out so much. But in, um, 
penny days it was kind of just like no you you're making an awful decision you know both of us were saying that to one another <laughs> so that was tough that was tough because i i remember i was alone in mixing the record with john and so that was just kind of like a trip you know i didn't have yeah. the band members to be like no this is not what we do you know will he pull rank on you and be like no nah, trust me i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he would yeah, yeah. I hope these aren't like loaded questions. I don't want you to get in trouble. I don't think they're listening to my No, it's all podcast. good. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he'll listen, but we worked with him just on his EP, so it's all good. We were able to rectify our differences. <laughs> That's good. I guess you can never take it too personally if you're like that studio time. Although I don't know, maybe I think a lot many, many people do, probably. Yeah, I mean that one was tough, but I mean I was a little bit younger and I learned a lot from that, but um I don't know. It was just you can I think there's some of the demos on SoundCloud that you can check out from that record that and you could A B and you could go, "Oh, yeah, these are a little more um they're a little more raw and a little more like uh like dancey, a little more drum machine forward and a little more like heavily processed." There's a lot more crazy effects. And so I think um, some people like that, other people won't. It was just a different thing that, that I was trying to go for that, you know, it still turned out great. But in yeah. that time, I was really upset that it didn't uh, end up sounding like this thing that I labored over for three years. Are your, um, this is a very broad question, but are your kind of influences that you started out listening to in the band, like you mentioned, um, George Harrison and I, I know like Todd Rundgren and, and things are definitely um, present in your music, but like moving forward, um, have those influences kind of changed over the years? And are you now leaning towards a different aspect of, of music or is it, is it the same? Is it you're trying to get a specific sound? Um, I would say they haven't changed. I still love that stuff, you know, and I'm still not over it. <laughs> So you haven't completed the journey with them yet. I have not. No, um, I, that stuff still influences us, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, we still have a whole other half of record to write, so maybe maybe it'll change a little bit. Yeah, but well, yeah, no, I, I feel I, new instruments too. If you if you end up getting like new keyboards or something, that'll always kind of set you on a different path. So it's good to change up stuff like that, like pedals and guitars and keyboards. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I can't wait to hear this uh, EP or if you end up just waiting and, and completing an album uh, with it, that, that would be awesome. Um, do you have any kind of like time frame of like new projects and things uh, coming up or just for people to listen well, to? Well, we're hoping we can put it out um, maybe in like September around those um festival dates that we have at least like a track or two you know maybe i mean I, I would like to just put out put out each track as it comes comes out you know right. just put one out one month next one the next month and just do that but yeah. um i don't know i don't know how people consume music anymore i don't even know how i consume music anymore I was about to say that I honestly don't know <laughs> how I consume music. I don't think anyone knows how <laughs> their listeners consume music. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, but I think the whole idea of releasing things as singles and 
kind of taking that pressure off, like shopping around an album is, is good. Uh, or at least it would be for me, I would say. Yeah, it feels like a very natural way to do things, you know, and I think that way no one gets too inundated with, I don't know, it's, it's so weird when you have to do like press for a record and the whole thing's out and it lasts like um, two months and then it's just over, you know, and then you're just touring. I, I don't know. That's just such an unnatural, that's always been such an unnatural wave of doing things for me. Yeah. And like an album cycle where it's like, okay, I guess we're just done with this. That was pretty upsetting when I realized that was how things went down. <laughs> when we got signed to Domino and Colored Emotions, it was like, okay, well, this is just over now. And I guess we have to make a new one. It was like, wait a sec. Like, so do we just stop playing these songs? And then, you know, you learn, you learn how to deal with that kind of thing. But right. it was just a weird, yeah, it's just a weird way of, doing things but i mean i think that's just how they've been doing it for decades and decades so well let's hope that uh these festivals continue to happen let's hope that these concerts yeah let's hope they don't get canceled yeah i I gotta imagine some of them will get canceled (laughs) yeah do you think it's a little bit too like audacious too quickly some of them with like uh just full steam ahead i think I think people are ready for it. And I think a lot of people are going to be super excited. So I think it's a great thing. I think you just got to, yeah, full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I mean, there's so many that it got announced in the last two weeks that I don't know. I mean, I was never a little, uh, like a festival goer. That was never my thing. But um, I think uh, there's a big market for it. And I think a lot of people just like after COVID, you know, and it being outdoors, I think that probably right. helps a little bit too. Yeah, I think I think there's I think it's gonna work out. And um, I guess lastly, any any possibility? I'm sure you don't really know yet, but of of coming to the East Coast for for any East Coast swing. Man, I would love to, but I, it's it's so hard to say for us right now. I mean, maybe maybe like in October, November, but right now it's still it's still kind of up in the air for us. Like touring, I feel like full on tours for um bands like it's it's kind of hard to fully book that out you know yeah absolutely with like the clubs that we're doing so you'll you'll be the first to know though man i'll I'll, uh i'll send you a text well i want to again thank john pellant the lead singer co-founder and frontman of night moves for joining me on today's podcast be sure to check out his newest record can you really find me and stay tuned for the new Night Moves EP coming sometime this fall. You've been listening to the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. Again, if you like the show, please email us at popculturenerd2 at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram at Patrick underscore Breen. Take care, everybody. <laughs>